Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. This morning we're going to take a break from that uh, series uh, because I'd like to preach a message kind of like a message that I preached at youth camp. How many teens in here were at youth camp this year? Okay, so you know what this is all about. But I'd like to preach a similar message because I really feel like this message can help us a lot as Christians. And uh, especially if any of us are just feeling like our Christian life is kind of deflated and in shambles. And I think at times that can be all of us. So I want to preach a message called The Fulfilled Life this morning. Now, one of the things that, that God calls a pastor to do is to pray for his church, to pray for all the people. And Mark and Joe and I do that regularly. It's a, it's a big responsibility in our job. And normally, uh, I, I have a hard time, I'll be honest with you, I have a hard time just like kneeling or sitting in a chair and praying. I get distracted, I tend to fall asleep. And so I like to prayer walk. I mentioned this before, I really like to walk through the woods and just prayer walk and I, I can walk, it keeps me focused, but this past week or two weeks ago, I found a new way that I love to pray, and uh, last year our neighbor gave us their swimming pool, and um, so we got one of these cheap dollar store rafts that you can float on, and last weekend I was thinking, I need to pray, I don't really feel like walking, so I, got a, I went over and got in the pool, and I'm floating around on this raft, and it was great, I just loved floating around and praying. I know I'm going to hear about this from you guys who, who work hard every week. <laughs> Being a pastor is a difficult job sometimes. You know, you get to float. But the, the, the raft popped. It didn't last long. My, I have four kids, and uh, they popped it. So, yes, or when was it? The other day, I'm thinking, I'd like to, I'd like to float pray, prayer float again. And uh, all I could find was these two little inner tubes, and so I tried that, but it didn't work. I'm falling off. It was too much work. So I thought, what can I float on? And I remembered that my mother-in-law got me for Christmas a couple of years ago one of those uh, air mattresses, like a queen-size air mattress. And it's in the garage in storage, so I went in and got it. And uh, <laughs> um, I blow that thing up. And the first thing I see really big on it is not for use in water. But I thought, I'm doing the Lord's work. He's going to protect me, right? So I get that thing opened up, I blow it up, and I'm, I climb up on it, and it's like a queen size, it's big, I feel like I'm on a ship, I'm floating around, it's very comfortable, very solid, and I'm praying, and I hear this noise, and I look down, there's these little bubbles coming up. Somehow this thing got a hole in it, and so I thought, I'm going to keep praying. Well, like two minutes later, I look like a big hot dog floating in the pool because the raft is coming up on both sides of me and I'm in the water. And that's what you get from my opening introduction because I was thinking that raft, you might feel like that. That raft represents our Christian life sometimes. Sometimes we can feel deflated. Sometimes we can feel like, blah, just kind of like not, you know, not full of air, not full of the Spirit but just full of water, full of something else weighted down. And that's what this message is about today. This message is called The Fulfilled Life, and it's about 
the only way that we are going to have a fulfilled life as a Christian, and that is to be filled by the Spirit. So, what is the fulfilled life? Let's talk about that word fulfilled for a minute. What exactly is it? Think about the word itself. Fulfilled. It's just two words. Fulfilled. It's, it's to be full. To be filled with something. To be filled with something that satisfies you. We're fulfilled when we're, when we're doing what we were made to do. When we do a good job with something. When we you know, have a good big meal at the all-you-can-eat buffet, we're full, we're fulfilled, we're, we're satisfied. And the way that we can be fulfilled, really the only way as a Christian, is to be filled with the Spirit. The main verse that I want to talk about today, and we'll refer back to this verse often, is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. And debauchery just means like indulging in the sensual pleasures of the flesh. But be filled with the Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. And thank you that we have confidence in your word. Your word is truth. We are sanctified by your word. And Lord, I, I pray that as I stand here and preach your word, just being a man, that you would speak through me and that you would come and fill us with your truth, with your spirit. And I pray especially, Lord, for people here today who just really don't feel that fulfilled in their Christian lives, that you would just open our hearts to understand the way that we can be fulfilled and what we need to do specifically just subjectively in our own lives what we need to eliminate what we need to do to be fulfilled and i pray that you would do that for people today in jesus name amen well as christians as i said we're we're most fulfilled when we allow god to fill us with his spirit and the first part of this verse that i read in ephesians 5 18 tells us not to get drunk and I think the reason that Paul starts out that way, and he's, he's contrasting, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, is because when you get drunk, when you get drunk with alcohol, essentially what you're doing is you're, you're letting that alcohol control you. Or probably more accurately, that alcohol is, is taking your flesh with all of its passions and desires and just amplifying that. And, and you're being controlled more by your flesh. That's why he calls it debauchery. Debauchery is indulging. Debauchery is in, indulging in fleshly sensualities. And so he's using this as an example to say, don't, don't get drunk where you're controlled by your flesh, but be filled with the Spirit. And being filled with the Spirit is essentially just... We're going to talk a lot about what that is in a minute, but it's letting the Spirit control you. Now, this isn't, like, I don't want you to think about being Spirit drunk or being, so, being drunk with the Spirit so you're losing self-control and you're doing strange things and you're not able to control yourself. That's not what he's talking about here. As a matter of fact, let me give you a picture of what he's talking about here. If we could project Galatians 5, 22 and 23... We see what it looks like 
when someone is filled with the Spirit. What it looks like when someone is filled with the Spirit is this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. See, when you're filled with the Spirit, you have self-control. You're not taken over, but you're giving control to God and you have self-control. So this is, what it, this is what it looks like. Imagine yourself with all of these characteristics, living up to your true spiritual potential. This can happen for us. This is what it means to be filled with the Spirit. This is why we're commanded to be filled with the Spirit, to walk by the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit. This is what God wants for each of us. These are the marks that He wants us to have as a Christian. So this is what a Spirit-filled, fulfilling Christian life looks like. The Bible talks about us who are believers in Jesus Christ, who are new creations, as jars of clay or earthen vessels. That's how the Bible describes us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If we could show 2 Corinthians 4, 7, it says, but we have this treasure. Now the treasure he's talking about there is God himself in us, the Holy Spirit. We have this treasure in jars of clay. That's us to show the surpassing power, that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. So essentially, we are vessels, we are containers as Christians to hold and display the Holy Spirit and the power of God to transform us and to transform our lives. Now, if you were youth camp, you'll know what I'm doing here, but if a lot of you weren't. So what we have here is... Um, a teacup, a tea set. And I was thinking of this little cup when I thought of earthen vessels because this is kind of what we are. Now, this cup, is, you can tell it's a little teacup. It's made for tea. And it came with this teapot. And so when this cup is filled with the tea that it's made for, well, it's fulfilled. It's doing, it's serving its purpose. It's doing what it was made for. Now we're going to come back to this a little later in the message. But this is an illustration of us. When we are filled with the Spirit of God, that's what we were recreated for as new creations. That's when we're going to be, be fulfilled. So I want to look at how. How, what is this, being filled with the Spirit? Like, practically speaking, what does this mean? How do you do it? If we're commanded to do this, we need to know how do we do it exactly. And it's not complicated. A lot of times, a lot of times Christians can make this much more complicated than it is. Being filled with the Spirit is, is very simple. And essentially, it's just allowing God, the Holy Spirit, to fill every area of your life. Imagine your life as a house with a lot of rooms. And I noticed Sean did that graphic up there, so we can use that. This is like your life. It's a house with just a lot of rooms in it. And each of those rooms represents areas of your life. It might be your finances. It might be your friends. It might be your work. It might be your hobbies. It might be late night, what you do. It might be what you watch on the internet or TV. It could be, it's everything. You've got a room for everything. So that house represents your life. 
Now, when you think of being filled with something, filled means full. It means like maxed out to the fullest capacity. To be filled with the Spirit is to allow the Spirit of God to come in and take over to rule and access every area of your life. So is there an area of your life that you've locked? You have a room that's locked. I know some of us have, you know, if we have company over or whatever, we, we, we don't want them going in this certain room because it's, it's kind of a mess. We haven't been in there very much. We haven't cleaned it up or there's something in there we don't want them to see, so we lock that room. Do you have a room like that in your life? Do you have a part of your life that you don't allow God in? Or maybe he knows what's in there and he's been working on your heart telling you, you need to let me in this area. But you're resisting. Being filled with the Spirit of God is simply giving him complete control. It's just absolute surrender of everything in your life. So is God 100% over your finances and how you make financial decisions? It's all His anyways. We're just stewards. Is God 100% in control? Do you acknowledge Him? Do you think about what God thinks before you post something on social media? Or do you just do it without acknowledging God? Or what you look at on the internet? Or do you keep a little room kind of in the back of your heart somewhere where you hold resentment or bitterness against someone who has sinned against you? Because the Spirit would say, forgive as you've been forgiven. See, only, only you know that. I'm, I'm speaking to hundreds of people right now. And we know what's in our hearts, what's in our minds. We know whether we've given the Holy Spirit access over every area of our lives. And being filled means just that, being filled. It's, it's complete and absolute surrender. Now this doesn't mean we're going to be perfect, but this does mean that we're not shutting him out of an area. So that's what I want us to think about. Is there an area? And he will identify that because I've been praying for him to do that in our lives all week when I preach this message, and I believe that he is, if you're thinking of something right now, that's the Holy Spirit showing you what it is. Every area of our lives. So if the house illustration doesn't make a lot of sense, which it's pretty simple and it should, but let me give you a simpler one, okay? 1 Kings chapter 20, verses 1 through 4, this is pretty clear. 1 Kings chapter 20, verses 1 through 4 is a story from the Old Testament. And the Lord tells us that all Scripture is profitable for teaching. And I think a lot of times these Old Testament stories, even though they're just a story, they have a spiritual parallel, a spiritual truth that we can apply now to us under the New Covenant. And I think there's one here. It says, Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, Syria the king of Syria, <laughs> gathered his army together. <laughs> and 32 kings were with him and horses, and chariots. And he went up and closed in on Samaria and fought against it. And he sent messengers into the city to Ahab, king of Israel. Now Ahab, king of Israel, if you know the Old Testament, he's not a very good king. He's not a real good spiritual example for us, but he had a decent stretch for a while, and this is maybe one we can take something from. So 
he said to Ahab, or the, he sent messengers into the city to Ahab, king of Israel, and said to him, Thus says Ben-Hadad, Your silver and your gold are mine. Your best wives and children are also mine. And the king of Israel answered, As you say, my lord, O king, I am yours and all that I have. So what Ben-Hadad asked Ahab was absolute surrender. And what Ahab gave him was absolute surrender. He said, As you say, my lord, O king, I am yours and all that I have. And this, just this little line right here, this, this is the attitude, the very simple attitude of a spirit-filled Christian. Jesus Christ is our king. And he has given us his spirit. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he said, I'm going to send the helper, the Holy Spirit. So Jesus wasn't physically with them anymore, and they were nervous about that. And they thought, how are we going to be led? How are we going to know what to do? And so he sends his spirit. And the Holy Spirit is God. He's just not physically with us. He's spiritually with us. But every single one of us who have believed in Jesus Christ as our God, as our King, who came, became a man, died, rose from the dead, has the Holy Spirit in and with you. And he's our commander. Jesus isn't with us. Jesus is our King, but he's given us the Spirit as our commander. And the Spirit will lead you into all righteousness if you are listening for him, if you are tuned into him. He will help you to understand what to do in your life. And the thing with being filled with the Spirit is you just have to surrender all of the territory of your life to him. He's not going to leave you. He's with you. Ephesians 1.13 tells us that, can you pull up Ephesians 1.13, Dave, if that doesn't throw you off? I don't have it in my notes, but look at this verse. In him you also, when you, were heard, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him. So all of us who heard the gospel about Jesus and believed that gospel, what happened? We were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. We were sealed. And it goes on to talk about until the day of redemption in other scriptures. We're, you, you are sealed with the Spirit. You're, you're Eternity in heaven with the Lord is secure. But when we keep areas of our lives from him, then it, the Bible says it quenches him. It grieves him, it makes him sad, but it quenches him. And when you quench him, it's like think of a big rip roar in fire and you pour water on it and it goes down to a little flame. That's what we do and he's not going to be powerful in our lives. But when we're filled with the Spirit, we're not only fulfilled, but we are effective as Christians. So, the attitude of Ahab here is one that we should have. As you say, my Lord, O King, I am yours in all that I have. So if he's telling you to deal with an area of your life, and I really want you to think about this, because this, there can be one area, and I know this, I know this from experience, and I know this from talking to a lot of you. Listen. If there's one area that you're not allowing him to come in and take ownership of and take control of, that can zap your joy as a Christian. That can make you feel unfulfilled. 
that can make you question things. That can make you feel like, I don't even know if I want to be a Christian. That can make you, it takes you away from the, it gets between you and him. That's why we're told to be filled with the Spirit. Jesus wants us to have a joy-filled Christian life. He wants us to be fulfilled. He doesn't want us to harbor things that hurt us in our lives. And the answer is simply to surrender. You don't have to make a big to-do list. It's not, it's not something that's like overwhelming. Like, I, I got to do this. It's going to be so hard. I got to do this, this. No, it's just one thing. I surrender. I'm going to just yield to the Spirit. Yielding isn't even really a thing. It's just letting Him have control and following Him. And when we do step out in faith to follow Him, He will give us the power to do it. He will. He promises to do that. There's one more thing I want to say about being filled with the Spirit. I think it's important to know. Look at, um, before we look at that verse, in the, in the Greek tense of this verse that we're looking at, be filled with the Spirit, it, it's, the tense is like an ongoing kind of tense. And it, it really should be translated more like, keep on being filled. Keep on being filled. Keep on being filled with the Spirit. It's an ongoing thing. It's not something that we do once. So if today this is effective and you decide I'm going to commit and I'm just opening up every area of my life to Jesus Christ and his spirit and I'm, I'm, I'm going to give him control and I'm going to yield to him. That's great, but you've got to keep doing it because guess what? We leave this building. It's not Sunday anymore. We go out into the real world and we face temptations and we face an enemy and our flesh has desires and we have to continually do this, but if you do continually do that, he will continually fulfill you and give you power. Look at Galatians 5. This, this puts it in a clear way, this ongoing being filled. Galatians 5.16. It says, but I say, walk. And I want you to pay specific attention to this word walk. Walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk. Walking is something that, it's not like one, if I walk from here to that door, it's not just one action. It's, it's, continu, it's a bunch of continuous actions, right? It's steps. I take, I take steps to get from here to that door. And that's how we walk, one step at a time. As a child, we learn to walk one step at a time. And as a Christian, we need to learn to walk by the Spirit one step at a time. And so what that means is every day we have thousands probably of decisions to make, of choices. You chose to, came here, to come here today. That was a choice. You chose what to look at on the internet last night. That was a choice. You chose who you're going to hang out with. You choose every day all kinds of things. Whether I'm going to read my Bible whether I'm going to spend time with the Lord, we choose whether we're going to even acknowledge Him in our decisions. We choose all the time. And just look at each of those decisions as a step. Because that's what it is. This ongoing, continuous being filled, it, it takes place one step at a time. Really, until we get to heaven, it's like we're the raft with the hole. We've got a leak because we've got this flesh. 
and we're not perfect, and we mess up. But we can, because God's given us his spirit, we can be filled every step. We can confess our sin, we can move on. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. We are covered in his mercy. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. But what we do is we can take advantage of that when we just walk our own way. So one step at a time, every one decision at a time, and what it comes down to in each one of those steps is this. Who, who, gets, who gets the ultimate vote? Okay, decision time, fork in the road, flesh wants to go here. Spirit, first thing you have to do, look, acknowledge him in all your ways. What should I do, Lord? You feel him when you do that, leading you, because usually what he does is he brings his word to your mind, or at least some concept from his word, some truth, and he guides you. Remember, his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. The Spirit does that. The word of God is the sword of the Spirit. The word of God is the flashlight of the Spirit. He shows us where to go. Decision time, and this is what it comes down to. Who gets the vote? Who gets the final vote? You or him? That's all. And if we're being filled with the Spirit, we are yielding to him. Because see, our flesh, our flesh has desires. Our flesh is that part of us that is against the Spirit of God. As a matter of fact, Dave, I want to go out of order in my notes that I gave you for scriptures, but Put up, uh, if you would, Galatians 5, 16 and 17. Our flesh is the part of us that is opposed to or apart from the Spirit of God. It says in Galatians 5, 16, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are, what? Opposed to each other. To keep you from doing the things that you want to do. It's like, what does that mean? Two people. To keep you from doing the things that you want to do. It's like there's two yous. And that's really what it is as a Christian, isn't it? Because we still have this flesh. And the flesh is that old part of us. And it it has desires that go against the spirit. The spiritual part of us is that new man, that new creation. And so every decision, every choice, we need to acknowledge the Lord and go with what he says. My favorite passage, I think, probably in all of Scripture, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. This, This sums it up. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. That's key. And if you do that, it says he shall direct your paths. So who gets gets the vote, the winning vote in every decision? When we just simply surrender to him and yield to him, we will be fulfilled. It's when we make our own decisions that we mess up our lives. And he doesn't want that. This isn't bondage. This is like, Jesus wants us to be joyful. But I know from experience, and you know from your experiences, that when we give in to our fleshly desires, the Bible calls it the fleeting pleasures of sin. Oh, it feels good for a little while. But if you are a Christian, 
it's going gonna, it's gonna to wreak havoc on your conscience. You're not going to be satisfied. You're not going to be fulfilled. And after a while, your heart gets callous and it gets hard. And then it doesn't feel so bad anymore. So you go into it more and more and more. And then it's just a mess. We mess our spirit. That's how we mess up our spiritual lives. So we need to surrender. I was thinking about, uh, I was, my dad was telling me, reminded me of something that happened when I was a little kid. The other day we were talking. And when I was a little kid, I was in the hospital. I got really sick. And they didn't know what was wrong with me. I don't know how long I was in there, but I think I was in there a long time. And uh, I, dad said I was laying in the hospital bed and I had my arm up like this. And I was sleeping. My arm was like up on my head or something. And the doctor came in. He was looking at me. They're trying to figure out what's wrong with me. And the doctor, looked, he says to my dad, look at his arm. It's like, puffed out ballooned out and that's yeah it was like a full of air well it was full of air it was the highest point in my body when I was laying like that and what happened somehow you don't know how I got a tear in my lung and the air that's supposed to just stay in your lungs was going into my body into my veins and it it, it was filling up where my veins that are supposed to be full of blood now have this air going into them. And the doctor said if that air goes into the wrong place, he could die. And it's what's making him very sick. And that, that's, that's what it's like when we allow, when we make our own decisions apart from the Spirit of God, and when we do our own thing, or when we have that room that's closed off that we haven't surrendered to Him, we're letting things into our lives that don't belong there as a Christian, as a new creation. And it, it, it makes you spiritually sick. And eventually, if it goes to the wrong place, if it's the wrong time, it can all come crashing down. Not your eternal security, but your spiritual life here and now. It can. So God wants us to simply surrender. That's, that's what we're here for. Now, I just want to take the last um, part of this message and talk a little bit about the other side of this, the flesh side. So we're, we're told, be filled with the Spirit. We know what that means. Now, what do we do about this flesh? Because this flesh is real. This flesh that we have is, you know, it has its passions. It has its desires. As a matter of fact, um, one of the verses that I wanted us to look at today talks about crucifying the flesh with its passions and desires. Dave, can you put that one up for me? Galatians 5.24. This is the main verse for this, this last part. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So I want to talk a little bit about how to do that because this is really the other side of it, what we're supposed to do. Now, Okay, here's, here's our illustration of, of us as the spirit-filled Christian, right? This is, we are earthen vessels, <clears throat> we're jars of clay, we're filled with the spirit. This cup is made to be filled with tea, it's a picture of that. Now, here I have, what is this? Can you see it? 
Yeah, it's meat. This is meat. This is a piece of flesh. Okay, raw, good old raw, bloody, uncooked flesh. Now, this represents our flesh. Okay, so let's say that you are a spirit-filled Christian. You're yielding to him. You come to this fork in the road and you go with the flesh. And you continue to go with the flesh. What happens is you actually, yeah, I have a towel. I have a towel under there. You fill this cup up with your flesh. That's what we're doing. We are filling ourselves with ourselves. Now, where, what happens to the tea? Well, it didn't all go out, but most of it did. And this is what I was talking about when we quench the spirit. This is how we quench the spirit. We go with our flesh. We go with what we want. We ignore what God wants. And when we do that, we're giving in. And here's the thing about flesh. Flesh is, the Bible uses this word flesh. I don't want you to get confused. It's, it's not really like fully talking about your meat, like the muscle on your body, but it's saying that it's like your old nature. And that's where it dwells. It dwells in our body. Because our body is the, the, the part of us that's not redeemed. When we go to be with Jesus, if he comes back in 10 seconds and he calls us to be with him, boom, fast forward. We, we are redeemed. We no longer have this flesh. We no longer have sinful desires and cravings. We no longer have this part of us that's opposed to the Spirit of God. We are made 100% new. We've been saved from the penalty of sin and we've been saved from the power of sin, but we've not yet been saved from the presence of sin. We battle it every day. That's what the flesh represents, the presence of sin, because that's where the scripture says it, it dwells. When we give in and fill ourselves with our own desires, we're just filling ourselves with ourself. It's just we're becoming selfish. And we are not to do that as a Christian. Here's the thing. Though it's not really meat, it's like muscle. The flesh is like muscle. I want you to remember this. The flesh is like muscle. The more you give it what it wants... The more you feed it and the more you exercise it, the stronger it gets. You guys know this. This is the battle we fight. And the more we give in, the more of those forks in the road, the more of those decisions that we go with our flesh, the less of those forks in the road, the less of those decisions that we say, Lord, I acknowledge you. What do you want me to do? And go with the Spirit. The stronger our flesh gets. The stronger our flesh gets. We exercise it. It's like a muscle. It just gets bigger and stronger. Now, it's never strong. It's never too strong for the Spirit of God to overcome. But this is what addictions are. They will, be, they will take over you, and it'll be really, really hard. And God can deliver us from addictions. But I'm not just talking about addictions to pills or drugs or alcohol. When we give in with whatever it is to the flesh, it's just harder and harder. To back out of that's just the consequence the bible says we reap what we sow if we sow to the spirit we reap that if we sow to the flesh we reap that so the point here is just let's not let's not give in to the flesh now it's that can sound very easy like that you're oversimplifying just don't give in to the flesh but if you really believe the scripture like when it says in first corinthians 10 13 that god will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear he won't, but with every temptation will make a way of escape. If you believe that, then it is true. You don't have to give in. 
You don't have to give in. Matter of fact, I'm going to look at this, this verse. Um, not 1 Corinthians 10, 13, but James 1, 12. We can look at James 1, 12. James 1, 12 says this. We'll just look at the first part of it. It says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. Endures. First of all, blessed. Do you know what that word means? It's, it's everything we're talking about. It just means to be fulfilled, to be satisfied, to have a sense of pleasure from God that you have a clear conscience and you are satisfied, you are fulfilled. That's what the word really means. So this message, the fulfilled life, it goes with this verse. Fulfilled is the man who endures temptation. So what does it mean to endure temptation? This is what we do, what we're supposed to do when we're tempted. Well, I was thinking about an illustration for this, and I I was thinking how uh, a couple of the the guys from church here, Hunter and Parker Scherf, Jake Wissinger, I get together with those guys once in a while and lift weights with them over at Nathan and Audra's gym. And um, we do this one exercise where it's, it's, it's a killer. It's like we do these, we pick up these dumbbells as heavy as you can do for like 12 reps, and you go like this, do these dumbbell lateral raises, but... You, you have to do 12 reps, and then you can't let them touch your, your legs, and you hold on to them for one minute. And you do 12 more, you hold on to them for one minute. So three minutes of this, three sets of this, not letting them touch your legs, it feels like your shoulders are going to burn off. It's really, really hard. And you have to endure, and that's what we would tell each other. You know, we got we to gotta endure. We can't, don't drop the weight. Don't drop the weight. And then when you're done... Even though it was miserable for three minutes, you kind of, you feel good. Because you, you did something that was hard, you endured through it, and you feel good about it. And that's why you exercise, right? That's like all exercise. Exercise is supposed to press you and push you, but you benefit from it. This is all that's happening spiritually. When we endure temptation... So, boom, temptation comes, flesh wants to go this way, spirit says go this way, but I really want to go this way... Remember this verse? I remember God says he won't let us, he won't let it be more than we can bear, but will make a way of escape that you might endure. It's even in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. So bear with it. Hold, hold, hold. Trusting in the Spirit the whole time, enduring. And that gives, that, that blesses us. That's what fulfills us. And the problem, the problem with a lot of us and I include myself in this at times, it's all of our problem. We give in too easily. That's, that's a big problem. We just give in too quickly and too easily. So, let's take our meat. Let's go back to our meat. And let's, let's think about, I don't want to touch that, it's really gross now. But let's, let's think about um, the verse from Galatians that I mentioned, where it says, Galatians uh, 5.24 Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now, I don't know if it's hot out today like it was yesterday, but yesterday it was really, really hot out. It's like 90 some degrees and it was sunny. And on a hot day like that, sometimes I think about Jesus hanging on the cross. I think it was a hot, miserable day. He was bleeding. He he took our sins on him. He became dehydrated. He said, I thirst. He did that for us. 
And it says crucify our flesh. He's telling us do that with ourselves, with our flesh. I'm thinking, what does that mean? Think about if you would take the, this meat and hang it up and nail it to a cross on a hot day like yesterday and it just sat in the sun. What would happen to it over time? That meat, that meat would dry up, right? It would become like this piece of jerky. It would just shrivel up and it would lose its juices. And this is a picture of what it means to endure. When we give in, we exercise the flesh, but when we endure and we go with the Spirit and surrender to Him, our flesh gets weaker. It gets smaller over time. It atrophies. It's not as strong. It's easier to defeat. And I think of Jesus hanging on the cross. He took our sins. He did that for us to save us from the penalty of our sins. And the Bible tells us now we should suffer like he suffered. Well, we're not going to be crucified, literally, probably. Some martyrs have been. But we are supposed to suffer for him. And what that means is when we're tempted, we say, no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yield to the Spirit. And I'm going to endure. I'm not going to drop the weights. I'm going to endure and I'm going to resist. And we need, I need encouragement to do that. We all need encouragement to do that. And when we do that, that's when we're going to really be fulfilled in our Christian life. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. To end, I just want to nail down this fact that this isn't, God doesn't want you to look at this life that we're talking about and, say, and think, this is, this is going to be a boring life. Like, if I do that, I can't do anything fun anymore. It's not bondage. It's freedom. I'm telling you, I, I am telling you from personal experience that when you identify one of those areas of your life, one of those rooms, and you let the Spirit take over and you give that to Him, you, you experience true blessing, true fulfillment. I mean it. You will... You will you will experience God in a whole different way coming into your life. And you will never want to change that. So my encouragement is, whatever the Spirit's pointing out, just say like Ahab, my Lord, my King, I am yours in all that I have. Because the only thing really keeping us from this fulfilled life is us, ourselves, our flesh. We get in that way. And we need to crucify it. Let's pray and ask God to do this for us. Let's stand as we pray and let the band come up. Father, thank you that you love us and thank you that you love us enough to give us your spirit and to send your son to die for us. Help us all to think right now about him hanging in that heat on that cross, suffering and bleeding and being dehydrated and his flesh shriveling up and dying for us to free us from the penalty of sin. And I pray that if anyone here doesn't believe in him, that they would hear this truth and believe today and be sealed with the Spirit. And for the rest of us, thank you for giving us your Spirit to lead us, to guide us, to empower us. And Lord, I pray that the truth that was in your word in this message would penetrate hearts today. 
And Lord, we specifically pray for any who are here that are really struggling in this Christian life, that are feeling like this is unfulfilling. I pray that you would help them to see what you offer them and what they need to do to comply with you and change this to a fulfilled life. We thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're willing to do this for us. In Jesus' name, amen.